Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I'm excited about today. I'm normally excited about a Sunday, and if I'm not, I make myself. Hello? If I'm not excited, I make myself. Because there's something about entering his gates with thanksgiving. Amen? How you doing? Good? Fantastic. Entering his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving are not a little add-on onto the believer's life. They are absolutely fundamental. Aren't they, Jason? Yes. I've only got two men on the front row, so you guys are gonna get it today. <laughs> All the rest, I can't, I can't slap, can't do anything to the ladies. So I need some blokes on the front that I can be boisterous with. Fantastic, they're looking worried now. No moving around, no swapping seats. Seats today, I wanna be speaking on the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, turn to at least like 34 people. So stand to your feet. Come on, turn to at least 34 people and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, look at somebody else. Say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we're gonna make it personal. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Go on, tell somebody, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, can we give a shout of praise for that today? Come on, let's give God some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. You may take your seats this morning because the joy. Amazing. Today is the last Sunday of the series we've been doing called The last one. Doesn't mean to say that starting today you get back into unbelief. Just saying. All right? Anything you find in the Word of God, you can stand on. It's a rock. It's sure. His Word is truth. He's established His Word even above His name. And how many of you know the name of Jesus is the name above all names, the highest name there is. And yet His Word... God has said, because your word is your bond, your word is your integrity. Your name is as good as your word. But that's another message. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. And um, so that comes from an Old Testament scripture, which we're gonna turn to in just a minute. Nehemiah chapter eight, if you've got your Bibles with you, you can start to turn there. But just to set a scene a little bit, This is at the time just after Daniel. And uh, we've just done a whole series on Daniel earlier in the year up until Easter. (coughs) And um, it was an exile. The, The whole time in that series was a time when the people of God had gone so far away from God and so compromised who they were and who they who they were called to be. They'd lost sight of who they were. They started to believe stuff that wasn't true. How many of you know deception is the main weapon of the enemy? Lies and deception. If he can deceive you to believe something, he can deceive you to believe anything. And so they got into deception, they got into pride, they got into foreign gods and false idols and all that sort of thing. So they went into exile and then... Years later, a prophetic word comes to Daniel out of the book, actually, Jeremiah, and says it's time to go back into the land. And I think there's something happening in the body of Christ where people are getting stirred again to get back into the land that God has for them. Hello? To get back into right in the middle of what God has called you to be. The enemy will want to deceive it out of you, want to try and fear it out of you, 
want to try to compromise it out of you, but we're not of those who draw back. We're those who press in, those who believe the Word of God, who believe that Jesus is who He says He is and that God has called His church to be a city on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand. Amen. The answer to the generation is not in politics. The answer to the generation is not in economics. The answer to the generation we're living in is firmly the gospel of Jesus Christ pouring out of the body of Christ in the world today. Amen. Can we give God some praise for that? Because His Word is the truth. And so they start to move back into the promised land. And what happens first of all is they, is they rebuild or restore the temple. And Ezra is all about that. Ezra the scribe, God anoints him to lead at that time with some others and a team. And they start to lay the foundation for the temple and the altar and they start to build the temple. So that's what happens. And then there's this man who gets really stirred up. He's serving as a wine taster, as a cupbearer to um, the head of the known empire at that time. And he's serving there and he starts to get this sense that not everything's right because the walls of God have been rebuilt in his homeland, Jerusalem. And he's not there. Some people have gone back. They built the temple. But, you know, this is only a half-done job. And so they need to build the walls around Jerusalem. And so they start to do that, really. And they've done that sort of in and out, in and out, over, over years and years and years, trial and error. Went on and on and on and on. And it really wasn't a place of conviction. It wasn't a place of passion. It was just, oh, well, let's just, you know, have a go at this. And it went on for decades, little bit by little bit. And then God touches this man in his heart and he starts to get so stirred up that the enemy should not be in the promised land of God and that the people of God should be back there and it should all be restored as it should be. And I believe that, all, that our God is coming back for a glorious church with everything where everything is as it should be. And I believe there's a stirring going on in the body of Christ that says, come on, let's see the fullness of the Word of God. Let's see the fullness of the Kingdom of God at work in our generation. And so he goes back to Jerusalem with a team and he does with the people of God in 52 days what had not been accomplished over decades. You see, when God's hand comes upon a spirit of faith, anything is possible. Look at someone say, anything is possible to he who believes and all things are possible with our God. We spent some time last night, Sharon and I, the boys were out. We were empty nesters for an evening. They came back though. They came back. That's good. We love them all. And... Um, and so we said, let's watch a bit more of The Chosen. Anybody seen The Chosen? The rest of you really need Jesus right now. You know what I mean, seriously. If you've not watched The Chosen, it's absolutely fantastic series of the life of Jesus Christ. Best I have seen. And um, absolutely brilliant. And so we put on the one last night where it starts to paint the picture with the, with the issue of blood and Jairus' daughter and how they weave the stories in is just fantastic. And it gets to the end of the, first, of the first part of that and it's like an hour long. And it's the only one in the whole series I've seen that goes over two, two sessions. And we were lying there and it was like half past midnight and we were lying there and we thought, we, on the, I was on one sofa, Sharon was on the other and she was sort of laying there. The reason why I'm saying all of this is I looked across and I said to Sharon, I said, we can't go to bed now. We have got to watch the next one. I mean, it's not as if I don't know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. The woman gets healed and Jairus' daughter gets raised from the dead. We know that. But it's like on the edge of my seat. But anyway, why all that's got anything to do with today is I looked across and Sharon was lying there radiant as normal. After 37 years, she's still radiant in our marriage and it's still beautiful. But she was lying there with the 
with the sort of, uh, we got these rug things and we sort of, it's cold now. Man, it's cold. Flipping heck, I'm sitting there with my beanie on and, and Sharon's lying there all, all radiant and she's got a Citygate t-shirt on. Anything is possible. And I thought, here I am. I'm in a fantastic, fantastic, wonderful oneness with Sharon. And we believe anything's possible. We're seeing a program where someone's being healed after 12 years of an issue of blood where she'd spent everything she had and only grew worse, didn't grow any better. And she needed a move of God. And she was declaring out pretty much, anything is possible. And then we have Jairus. And he's like in the, you know, the, all the compromise stuff going on in the, the uh, uh, synagogue and the, all the restriction of the law and religion. And yet he was pouring out of his heart, anything is possible. And I thought I'm part of a church where people believe that anything is possible. And I'm part of a kingdom where anything is possible and I serve an almighty God for whom all things are possible. And something just started to stir on the inside of me. I was already in tears. I mean, I was crying there. I was lying there weeping, puddle on the pillow, cushion. Something started to stir on the inside that the best days are ahead of us. But we are gonna need strength to go where we're going. We're gonna need strength to go where we are going. It's not just a tiptoeing in the tulips. It's a place of accomplishment. It's a place where dreams are fulfilled. It's a place where battles rage but where we are victorious. It's a place where the enemy wants to do everything he can to stop you in your tracks because he knows when you know who you are, when you know who he is, when you know if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. If you know this stuff, then you are a threat to the enemy. What we are gonna need is strength going forwards. Strength to be all that God has called us to be. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. And it just confirmed again as I was lying there, I've spent the last few weeks knowing that this is coming today. And this is the final part of the series, but in some ways, well, let's just put it like this, we're going out with a bang. Because the, Joy of the Lord is your strength. And that strength is not an option for the body of Christ. It's absolutely vital that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Let's turn to the eighth chapter of Nehemiah. We're just gonna read a couple of verses to begin with <laughs> from verse nine and... And here he is, is it up there? He's coming, Nehemiah, who's the governor, Ezra the priest, the scribe, and all the priests, the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. You know what that means? That means this is set apart. This is a special day. This is important. This day is gonna change your life. This day is impacting. This day has eternal significance. This day is holy to the Lord your God. You see, they had to speak to the people because the people were grieving and mourning, weeping, crying, wailing. He said, do not mourn or weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, I've read somewhere in the Word of God that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. You see, why is it that a religious spirit wants to turn it around 
that in the presence of God, there's a lot of weeping and crying. Why is it that that happens? Oh, I've spent time with God. Oh, how was it? Oh, I've come out really brokenhearted. Well, you ain't been with the presence of the Lord then because I thought he's the healer of the brokenhearted. Hello? I've come out with a real burden. Hang on a minute. I thought that he destroys yokes and removes burdens when you get into his presence and under his anointing. You see, these people here, at this point, the wall's completed. Ezra, or the people, have found the Bible. They haven't seen it for decades. They haven't had a copy of the Word of God for decades. And they were in exile before that. So the people that are there weren't even alive the last time they had a Bible. And they found it. So they built a platform for Ezra so he could stand up and speak to everybody. And they had all these people going through the crowd saying, do you understand what's going on? Can you hear what he's saying? Let me explain it to you. Fantastic thing going on. And as they started to hear the Word of God, they started to weep. But it wasn't just this this sort of crying of, oh, isn't it wonderful we're back? No, the Bible is really clear that they were grieving here. And I've met, you know, a number of of examples of Christians, but there seems to be two camps like there isn't a whole lot of, of things in the Word of God. You find people and they hear the Word of God and they get upset because, oh, you know what, that's just not happening to me. Or you get the ones that say, praise God, it's a promise, let's lift my experience. Hello? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. See, some people, they get hold of it, by his stripes you were healed. Oh, well, why am I not healed? And then you get the other group that say, by his stripes I was healed. Well, if ye were, then I am. So I gotta change this physical reality to bring it into line with the truth of God's Word. Hello? All my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, well, I look in my bank account. Oh, it must not be for me. And then you get the other lot that say, well, the bank account may be empty, but I don't look at the things that I can see. I look at the things that can't be seen. I look at the Word of God, amen. You sat there. Man. (laughs) Amen. He said, do not mourn, do not weep, do not mourn, do not weep. I want to announce that into the church world today. Stop your mourning and stop your weeping and stop your grieving because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've gone ahead of myself. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. See, they'd never heard the promises of God declared out by faith before. They'd never heard them. They started to read the Word of God and it started to convict them on the inside, started to encourage them, but they started to realise that they have been outside of God's promises for so long. I love that verse to David that says, pursue, overtake and recover everything. On the other side of the trial is the victory. On the other side of the challenge is the victory. On the other side of the loss is the gain. On the other side of the sickness is the miracle of healing. On the other side of stress is peace. Come on, there's another side today. There's another side. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And he carries on in verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, I don't know about you, but when you're grieving, you don't feel hungry. When you're grieving, when you're pouring out your tears and you're you're groaning and you're wailing, you're not feeling hungry. And this was the Word of God to the people from Ezra. He said, stop crying. (laughs) Stop mourning, stop weeping, stop that expression of your flesh. Instead, go and eat something. Eat the fat. 
send food to those who don't have anything. For this day is holy to the Lord, amen. And he goes again, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord, come on, let's say it. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still. For the, it's a holy day. This day is holy. Do not be grieved. You know, we're in a world, we, you're in a place, you're in a, a lifelong experience where you're gonna need strength. And the one place that we get strength from is from the joy of the Lord. It's the one place. You don't get strength from regret. You don't get strength from if only. You don't get strength from, I remember the good old days. You don't get strength from feeling bad. You don't get strength even from a desire for change. There's only one place. There's only one way to move onwards and upwards into all of God's plan and purpose for your life is through a selfless and obedient decision to rejoice. I've already said today, Satan loves to lie and deceive. And if he can deceive you out of your joy, he will. If he can lie to you out of your joy, then he will. Because if there's no joy, there's no strength. If there's no strength, then there's no fight in you. If there's no fight in you, then there's no resisting of the enemy. If there's no resisting of the enemy, he doesn't flee. And if he doesn't flee, you don't win. Can you see how important joy is? Joy, joy, joy. Joy is your strength. But the problem that we seem to sort of face today is we're in this day of a lot of meism. Meism. It's all about me, 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 me. And then we do the, the most stupid things. We ask ourselves these sorts of questions Am I happy? <laughs> now, I know we laugh, but this is a pandemic. Am I happy in my job? Should never ask that question. It's irrelevant. It's an irrelevant question. Am I happy in my job? Let me give you another irrelevant question. Am I happy in my marriage? Hello? Because the moment you start asking, am I happy you are asking yourself what feelings you have. Amen. You're asking yourself, what feelings do I have? Am I happy in my job? Am I happy in my marriage? Am I happy in my church? Am I happy in my house? Am I happy living next door to that person? The moment you start, I'm oh, sorry, I pointed at you. I'm, so, I'm sure you're wonderful to be living next to. Am I happy? Am I happy? And quite simply, we've got to stop asking the dumb questions. Because if you ask the dumb questions, you're opening the door to the lies and the deceit of the enemy. You know the question you should be asking is, am I in the purpose of God here? Am I in the will of God? I don't care if you're happy or not. Oh, Pastor Jay. Well, let me tell you something. Joy is very different to happiness. And happiness is not your strength. You don't get married to be happy. You see, we gotta undo so seriously now. People trying to find, I know you've just got married and I, and I hope you found happiness. But you don't get married to be happy. 
Because happiness is a feeling and you live by far more than your feelings. You don't live by my feelings. I live by the will of God. I live by the Word of God. I live by I believe it because God said it. That settles it. I'm not asking myself if I'm happy. I'm saying I'm in the will of God. So Melfi, stir up the joy of the Lord in your heart because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't ask myself how I feel. I tell myself how I feel. I'm certainly preaching better than you're responding right now. Come on, this is life-changing for people. We live in a whole generation. It's about me, 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 me. What do I feel? What do I want? Instead of saying, not my will, but your will be done. And if I know the will of God, then I don't care how I feel. This is wonderful. It's the joy. It's called the joy of your calling. The joy of your salvation. You know, if you look for things, you'll find them. You know what? I've got every reason to get divorced. (laughs) If I look for them. Oh, I've got to clear up. Didn't get married to clear up. See, that shocks your life sometimes. But if you look, we are very happily married for 37 years. And I use the word happily. It's not always been happy, but it's always been wonderful and joyful. If you look for stuff, you're going to find it. Am I happy in my job? You can make a list of all the stuff you're not happy with. Come on, guys. Am I happy in my marriage? Well, let's make a list, shall we? They hang the toilet roll the wrong way around. Major problem. I mean, dear Lord, that's just unforgivable. You see, kids look for happiness. Adults look for purpose. That's a whole nother session. We are doing a whole day on marriage next year, February the, I think it's about the 17th. We haven't announced it yet, but it's coming. Saturday, marriage day. It's gonna be great. Got some good friends coming in from abroad to come and do the whole weekend. It's gonna be great. But Asking the wrong questions. The world is consumed by meism. My feelings, my thoughts, my opinions, my truth. What the heck that is, I have no idea. You know, the first person to ever use that expression was Oprah Winfrey. She opened the floodgates to deception into a generation. With that statement. Horrendous. What is your truth? That was the voice of the enemy being spewed out into a generation that has now completely lost its way because my truth was declared by someone seen to be some kind of, let's not go there. Please don't get me started on that. The Bible gives us absolutely no room for those things. Absolutely no room for the me culture of the world that has been developed. And it's because it robs your joy. You know, Jesus prayed that prayer that my joy might remain in you. Might remain. That means, that sort of tells me it can come and go. Now, I know I'm filled with the joy of the Lord, but my experience in that can come and go. And even Jesus himself prayed, I want you to live in this constantly. Constantly. And there are so many scriptures in God's word about if you hear my word, you'll have my joy. The more words you got, the more joy you'll experience. If you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord, that tells me you're not in the word of God. I just got to be blunt today. This is closing off. I haven't got time. In fact, I've only got about 15 minutes left. 
And I've got so much to get through. Let's ask this question. What is joy? It'll be there in just a second. There it is. What is joy? Well, obviously, joy is not subject to our circumstances, world positions, who you voted for not getting in. <laughs> Who's running London? My joy is not subject to that. Joy is not subject to good reports, bad reports, feelings, experiences. Joy is not subject to any of those things. What is joy? Well, joy is so many things. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, that means a fruit of the Holy Spirit, absolutely, but also a fruit of your Spirit. Now, you're one Spirit with the Lord. You produce this stuff. You produce it. Joy is fruit, something we produce. It's not the fruit of things going well. It's the fruit of what we believe. It's the fruit of the born-again spirit which will cause the advancement of the kingdom of God in my life. The joy of the Lord. Look at someone say, the joy of the Lord is your strength, is your fruit. <laughs> See, joy is such an important, such an important, impactful thing. Comes from hope, comes from so many things. <coughs> Excuse me. I haven't got time to do a study on joy today. Like all of these sessions we've been doing, it's, okay, I'm gonna believe this now. And if I believe it, then that settles it. I'm gonna believe this more than how I feel. I'm gonna believe this more than my experiences. This is what I believe now, that joy is my strength. Such an important and impactful thing. You see, hope, is actually defined as a joyful expectation of good. Something good's gonna happen. Something good's gonna happen. Oh, you know what? I just can't spend any time with that person right now because I'm feeling terrible and they're always so positive. Have you ever met that person? <laughs> Something good's gonna happen. I need those people in my life. But more, more important than that, I need to be one of those people because somebody else needs to hear the hope from my life that something good's gonna happen. Something good's gonna happen. On the other side of the trial is the victory. On the other side of the temptation is the victory. On the other side of the, of the valley is the victory. Hope. Even the Lord Jesus Christ when he went through the most horrific experience of eternity. He, he knew what was coming and he sweat blood as he was surrendering to it and settling in himself. Not my will, not my feelings, not my happiness, not my this, not my that, but the will of God be done because there's a purpose in this to redeem mankind. And he swept blood. They did that in the trenches in the First World War and every one of them that did died as they burst aneurysms in their brain and on their forehead through the pressure of when they had to, and they had to go over the top. And they knew they'd just be mown down. They swept blood literally in the trenches. And there's the Lord Jesus in a prayer time sweating blood because he knew what was gonna happen. He wasn't just having some nails in his hands and a, a spear in his side and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns. Other people have gone through that and worse. Hello? Literally. Other people have gone through what he did, what he went through and worse. But it was not what was going on physically. It was what was going on on the inside and what he was doing. He was becoming the sin of the world, the sickness of the world, the poverty of the world, spending three days and nights in hell under torment and every demonic oppression. But he knew for the joy. Come on, for the joy, for the joy set 
set before him, he was able to endure the cross, endure the pain, endure the shame, endure the hell, endure the torment, endure what the enemy was throwing at him, enduring the spitting and the scourging, enduring the shame. Why? Because the joy set before him. The joy that was gonna be there. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, this joy is so vitally important. It's not just an add-on for happy people. It's the very thing that enables us to do the unimaginable, the impossible. To stand and having done all to stand, stand by the joy of the Lord. Joy is strength. It's the indwelling presence and spirit of God which empowers us to walk, empowers us to be all that God has called us to be. James 1 verse 4, you won't have all these scriptures, I've added them in since I sent you the notes, but James 1 4, there's this great place to live in that says that you may be perfect, and complete, lacking nothing. Anybody want some of that? Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What a great way to live. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The Bible talks about all sorts of things in there. You need to pray for wisdom and you need to have patience and all that stuff. But you know what it says in verse two, my brothers, (coughs) excuse me, count, (coughs) excuse me, count it. Let's do that again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, temptations, tribulations, problems, challenges, upsets, things that don't go your way. See, don't count it a burden. Don't count it a problem. Count it joy. What does joy do? Seize the victory at the end of the valley. Seize the victory at the end of the trial. Count it joy. Count it joy. It actually speaks there about your first thought. I won't get deep into this. The first thing you do is go, hallelujah. Though the enemy comes in, I'm gonna raise up a standard like a flood, hallelujah. No matter what's coming against me, (laughs) another opportunity for God to show himself strong. Though the enemy comes in, God's gonna show up. There's another in the fire today, hallelujah. (laughs) Man. (laughs) She has to forgive me. Joy is the resurrection power of God. Joy is oil. It's the oil of joy. You know, if you're really greased up, nothing sticks to you. (laughs) Apart from sand. If you're oiled up, you're lying in the sand. But if you're really oiled up, the enemy can't stick to you. You know what? Being a, a believer of joy means the enemy can't stick to your life. He can't seem to get hold of somebody that says hallelujah anyway. Amen. Can't seem to get hold of somebody that says, well, hallelujah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He can't get hold of your mind when it's it's full of thoughts of praise God anyway. He can't get hold of a mind that's thinking the positive thoughts of God and the promises of Almighty God. Can I hear an amen? But this this is not just a smile. It's not just a giggle. (laughs) It's not just having a sunny personality. It's that internal state that makes everything else come into line. Makes everything else endurable and doable. Makes everything else possible. Because joy is strength. We need to get hold of this today. Everything else is inferior to the importance 
of the Spirit and the oil of joy flowing in my life. Everything else is inferior. If you can identify things that rob your joy, deal with them. Anybody seen any joy robbers? Oh man, alive. You can have the best time on a Sunday, get in the car, and the wife says something. Well, I can't say the husband, because I believe in marrying, I'm a, I'm a man, an adult human male. And I'm married to a woman, which is an adult human female. Get it straight. Or it could have an awesome service and we get in the car and I say something stupid. See, I'll balance it out. And you get into the most silly little argument or disagreement and you were in church just 10 minutes ago going, ha ha! You can almost chew the back out of the chair in front of you. It's like, yeah. And some dumb, stupid, somebody cuts you up in the car going home and the joy robbers move in. (laughs) Hello? The joy robbers move in. See, joy is strength. The enemy knows when you're strong, you are awesome in his strength. Can I just say, make room for laughter in your family. More I've thought about this in the last few days I've been preparing I've been thinking a lot about, about the teenagers we have in the generation today. I'm seeing a lot of fed up teenagers. They don't know how to smile. I seriously, I'm not, I'm not being rude. I'm trying not to be patronizing here, but they have this heavy. Don't know how to smile. Parents, train your children to laugh at a very young age. The Bible says laughter, merry heart, Proverbs 17, 22, merry heart does good like a medicine. Oh, but we're not talking about laughter, Pastor Dave. We're talking about joy. Well, you got a wrong theology if it doesn't include laughter. Hello? Laughter. Put a smile on your face. When you have a baby, smile at them all the time. Smile at them all the time because they copy what they see. Let them hear laughter in the house. We watch a lot of action films in our house because we got three boys. Me and my, my two sons that are still at home, one's married and gone away. So we watch a lot of action movies. But we watch a lot of comedies, if you can find decent ones that aren't profane and just the mess. Why? Because there's got to be laughter in the house. Tell jokes. Oh, and I can't tell a joke. Well, it's funny if you fail. (laughs) Try and tell a joke and we'll all laugh at how you tried to do it. So you can't do it. Laughter. Train your kids to laugh. Let there be laughter. Let there be a light spirit in a house. Have fun. Raise your kids to have fun. Do some fun stuff. Not just like... Fun stuff. Go and have a laugh. Get some fun flowing because in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. So let there be the the fullness of joy in your house, amen. Amen. Make room for laughter, a joyful heart, love this translation, does good like a medicine, but depression will drain your strength. A joyful, cheerful heart, listen to this translation, brings healing to both your body and your soul but the one whose heart is crushed will struggle with sickness and depression. I love the amplified version of Nehemiah 8. Do not be grieved, do not be depressed. Oh, Pastor Jay, you're just really making light of something that's a real problem in our generation. There's a difference between mental sickness And what we have in the generation today, which is a floodgate 
of flesh that can be dealt with without a tablet. Hello? It's healthy living attitude. That's why you've got to be so strong on your own thinking and on your kids and on your environment. Do not be grieved, do not be depressed for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. See, joy is a calling, joy. We have a joy in our purpose. We have joy of our salvation. Joy is, I believe, a great evidence of the fact that we are saved. I just can't help but laugh in the presence of God. When I'm singing songs like we sang today, there's another in the fire. <laughs> wow! Let the joy flow from what you sing. Let the joy flow, flow from what you read. Let the joy flow from what you believe. Because what you believe will be what you think and what you think will be what you do and how you live and what you experience and all the upset of the enemy, all the deception, the depression, the heaviness. There's oil of joy, hallelujah, for a spirit of heaviness. There's garments of praise. You see, sometimes you can have your garment of praise. God's given you one. Leave it on the floor because I don't feel like it. Or today, you can pick that garment up and say, praise looks good on me, hallelujah. Praise is a garment that I can wear and when I've got it on, hallelujah, I can praise Him with an upright heart and praise Him and strength is built into my life. I love David. Number two, very quickly, joy is a decision. Joy is a decision. Do you remember in the days of David, he appointed people 24-7 to give thanks. Just get your head around that one. So let's just say I appoint the front row for the next five minutes, then the second row for, from, from minutes five to 10, and then the next one, 10 to 15, and then the next one, 15 to 20. This is what he did. Oh, but I haven't got anything to be thankful for. Irrelevant. Irrelevant, give thanks. Oh, what can I give thanks for? Make a list. The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, um, the great salvation, the fact that, that he's got plans for me. You can make a list of the things you can give thanks for. Oh, but aren't I a hypocrite? Aren't I a phony if I don't do it from a heart that feels it? You're a phony if you don't. Because that's saying my praise is dependent on what I feel. My thanking God is dependent on my experience. No, we thank God because He's worthy and He deserves it at any time, no matter what we're going through. But I love David. He appointed people. He appointed people. And he even told the priests, never come before God heavy. It's your turn now, next five minutes. Come on, stir it up. Get into the presence of God. Hallelujah. I give thanks to you. You may not feel it, but you're giving thanks. God receives it. Why? Because joy is a decision. It's a decision. To give thanks oh, is an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. To raise my hands, jump, shout, spin around, sing, clap is an act of obedience. It's not an act of feeling. It's an act of he deserves it because he's good all the time. People were appointed. Now, when you decide to be obedient to God, how many of you know, you get into revelation of what you're doing. You obey first and the understanding comes later so often. We're assigned to give thanks. We heard at the very start of the service, I didn't know he was gonna read that, rejoice always, continually. I can remember the, the day when I got my dream car. I'm a car man, I'm a petrol head, as you know, and um, got my dream car, my Jaguar XK8, four litre, 300 horsepower, leather, could smell it. Wasn't new, but it was new to me. 
And I was so excited, I drove straight round to a couple's house in the church. And I parked it outside, and they had this big window in the lounge. The whole wall was a window. That sort of, literally, no exaggeration, the whole wall was a window in their lounge. And it looked out, and I parked it. Just, And I went out there, ding dong on the door, and the guy comes to the door, and, hey, Pastor Jay, come on in. I said, come in. So I went in. <laughs> and I sat, and I sort of, look at the car. Thank you, Jesus, my car. And they were so excited for me, and it was like we were just, oh, hallelujah moment. Really, really good. We'd given away cars and different things, and got my dream one. And then the wife, uh, there's no reason I said the wife, uh, just to say, I'm just telling you a true story, okay? If it was the husband, I would have said, it's no reflection on anybody. <laughs> the wife says, well, I gotta go shopping. So she goes out, jumps in a car, puts her foot down, misses the brake, straight on the accelerator, bang, straight into the side of my car, writes off the side of the car. I'd had it like three hours. And I was sitting there, I saw the whole thing. I saw it all, because we waved at her and she did it. See you later, see you later, bang. You know what, I had a choice right there. I had a choice. And you know what I said, I turned to the husband, I said, you know what, praise God, honest truth, praise God. I'm gonna get a brand new side to a second-hand car. Come on, come on. And I did. I got a brand new door. I got a brand new door, that's awesome. Every other bit of the car was second-hand, but that was brand new. Ha, devil, you're not gonna steal my joy over a car door. You're not gonna steal my joy over a conversation going home in the car. You're not gonna steal my joy by somebody in my office work, which I don't get on with. You're not gonna steal my joy from a doctor's report. You're not gonna steal my joy from a bank balance. You're not gonna steal my joy from a, a politician. You're not gonna steal my joy from whatever you do around my life because I've got the chance to, yeah, to believe God and to praise Him no matter what happens. I've got the choice. I've got the choice. No matter what my kids do, I've got the choice. No matter what's going on on TV, I've got the choice. No matter what's going on in my body, I've got the choice. No matter what's going on in my kids, I've got the choice. Joy is a decision. It's a decision. Oh man. Oh. Point number three as the band comes up, rejoice your way into joy. Rejoice your, look at someone say, rejoice your way into joy. Listen to this. You see, people call themselves believers, but then only do what they feel. Today's it change. Today it changes. Rejoicing is an act of faith that means I walk into doing what only God can do. Because we're talking about His divine strength. I remember we'd had some work done. <laughs> cost us five grand, this is 20 years ago. Cost us 5,000 pounds and it was a disaster. We had somebody assess the work and it was bad. And they started to say it was our fault and all this sort of stuff. So, ah, sue the pants off you. So we did, employed solicitors. And I knew the moment I did it, my joy was gone. Never make a decision out of joylessness. Don't believe in, in that anyway. It's not scriptural for a believer to sue someone. But I did and I started to go down that route and I just knew. How many of you know? You know when you're stepping outside of the will of God. Hello? but it's my rights. Don't care about your rights. I thought we died. And our life is now hidden with Christ in God. So anyway, I know my rights. So 
and I had the assessing and I had this and I knew I, knew I was going to win. And then I just knew that I knew I was outside of the will of God. I'd lost my joy. I was doing stuff that I fundamentally did not believe in any way scripturally. And so I phoned my solicitor and I said, stop the case. You know, just withdraw everything. I'm not doing this because my joy is more important. He was a Christian. My joy is more important than my feelings. And so I stopped it. I stopped what I was doing, suing this. And the whole thing was completely dropped. They were informed that it was dropped. And it's just like, I'm just gonna, you know, just forget it. And just, I'm just gonna do life. About three weeks later, get an envelope in the post, a check from the people that did the work, full payment of everything that I had been suing them for and an apology, just saying we're really sorry, here's your money back. You see, I could have done it the world's way or there's a victory on the other side of the trial if you rejoice on the, on the inside of it. If you rejoice on the inside of it. I love these. Hebrews 10, oh no, I haven't got time to get into all this. They joyfully handled the stealing of their stuff because they knew they had a greater reward. When somebody steals your cloak, give them your tunic as well. See, the Christian life is a different life if you want to live it in joy. Hello? It's gone so quiet in here because we live in a day of, uh, of, of trying to destroy everybody else's life. With our words, with our posts, with whatever, all of it will steal your joy. But come on, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What about, I'm just going to read some scriptures. Let's all stand to our feet. But recall, and oh no, let's not read that one. Don't let Satan steal your joy. Absolutely. Oh man, there's so much here. Let's read Psalm 27, verse 5 and 6. For in the time of trouble, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he will hide my life. He will set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. See, the sacrifice becomes an overflow. I'm gonna to go to my handheld because people are gonna start shouting and clapping and dancing in just a second. You see, what happens is when the trouble comes, we rejoice. When the floods come, we rejoice. When there's a bad report, we... Come on, guys, when it goes wrong, we... When the relationship goes bad, we... When you make a bad mistake, we... That's the one that gets me. When I goof up, I hate myself. I hate myself when I get it wrong. I don't care when the enemy gets it wrong. I kick him while he gets it wrong all the time. Well, other people, that's fine. When I get it wrong, I need to give a sacrifice of praise. Come on, perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you're beating yourself up because you made a mistake. You did something you shouldn't have done. You said something you shouldn't have said. Well, it's time to shake, uh, shake that off. Shake the shake because there's no condemnation. You repented, you move on and you rejoice in Jesus' Name. When something's stolen from your life, you rejoice. When the kids like, look like they're getting off track, come on, you rejoice. Come on, church, when the door closes in front of you, you rejoice. Habakkuk 3, where the fig tree doesn't blossom, where there's no fruit in the vines, Though the labour of the olive tree may fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there's no hurt. This sounds like everything was going wrong for this man. This guy had nothing left, nothing left than a praising heart, nothing left but a spirit that said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God, the God of my salvation. For the Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on the high places of the earth. Jeremiah 33. 
again there shall be heard in this place, in this place, City Gate, in this place in your marriage, in this place in your finances. It's empty, completely desolate, without man, without beast, in all the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man, without inhabitant, without beast, without prosperity. Again, there shall be heard in that place the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures for everyone and of those who will bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. I will cause the captives to be set free and to 